And welcome back into the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Rimmer. I am Ryan Hickey. It is funny, George, as we're recording this on Tuesday morning. We are both, without planning this, if you're watching on YouTube, you can see, if you're listening, we'll describe it for you, both in black, seemingly attending a funeral. But George, honestly, even though we're coming off a loss here on Sunday, the mood couldn't be uh, right now in Colts world. It couldn't be further from a funeral-like atmosphere here, even though, again, you did uh, lose the game in overtime in a heartbreaking fashion against the Rams. Two and two, Anthony Richardson looks good, and George, the return of Jonathan Taylor is right around the corner. Ditch the black, no funeral vibes around here. Let's go. Let's go. Is it too early to call Puka Nakua a Colts killer? You know, <laughs> about the heartbreaking. I feel like one game is too soon, but that was – a whale of a game. Saw his jersey sales are rocketing too. So I guess unfortunately now he's caught the eye of NFL fans now that he finally broke through, broke the seal and got the engine for the first time, unfortunately. Yeah, Pukunaku is going to – that's a name that you don't really expect to like haunt your nightmares and dreams or ha- – not your dreams, haunt your nightmares. Yeah, he's unfortunate on that list quickly. Yeah, unfortunately. I think that that's a name that's going to linger for a little while. But like you said, the, the loss overall – uh, a lot of positive coming out of that football game, especially the second half. Uh, I think the Colts should feel good about, you know, the fight that this team has. And that's what we've been talking about all year long with, with Shane Steichen. Uh, and now you are adding potentially the best running back in the NFL to this mix. It's exciting times here in Indianapolis. Very, very exciting times. I want to say Thunder George, I'll set you up for this. So we're talking about right now, Shane Steichen made it official on Monday. Jonathan Taylor is going to practice now. Practice on Wednesday is canceled. And Parker's right now, the Colts are a mass unit and trying to, you know, get healthy before the bruising Titans come to town on Sunday. So the first official practice for Jonathan Taylor in 2023 is set for Thursday. The Colts are set and ready to activate him off of pop, or at least get him open, I should say, the window, the 21-day window, get him back on the practice field. Chain Psycho did not rule out a possible uh, return for Jonathan Taylor as soon as Sunday. So we could, George, see JT back in a Colts uniform on the field come Sunday against the Titans. So Shane Sack at least confirmed the obvious that JT's on his way back. And yesterday in the limited player availability, Monday that is, the limited player uh, player availability, a lot of buzz, George. A lot of buzz about Anthony Richardson, but also a lot of buzz about the return of Jonathan Taylor. You made a great point as to why the players right now are excited to see the return of 23 back. Why is it? Yeah, I thought that was interesting. Both players that spoke yesterday, one offensive player, one defensive player, Drew Ogletree and uh, Rodney Thomas, both said immediately when when asked about Taylor's return, they can't wait to see him play with AR. And, you know, the owner said it on draft day. Uh, I think one of the first things out of Jim Irsay's mouth after they they selected Anthony Richardson was, can't wait to see him play with, with Jonathan Taylor. Uh, sadly, Wednesday in the walkthrough will be the first time they've been on the field together as teammates. That right there is is mind-boggling. Thursday will be the first time that they practice together. But if you go back through NFL history and the quarterbacks like AR, the quarterbacks in that profile, which is not really that far back in NFL history because it's a relatively new development, we've never really seen a combination like this. I mean, probably the best quarterback running back combo in that regard might have been Michael Vick and and Michael Turner with with Falcons. And no offense to Michael the Burner Turner, (laughs) not Jonathan Taylor. Uh, And, you know, in Baltimore, 
at times they've had J.K. Dobbins back there with Lamar Jackson, but he's struggled to stay healthy. And again, not quite the same threat that Jonathan Taylor is. You've got two guys who, if you're a defense coordinator, you legitimately on every snap have to worry about them taking it to the house. And that, I don't think you've ever really seen that, not from a quarterback running back standpoint in the NFL before. It's going to be new territory for everybody. It's why they were so excited about this on draft day. It's why the players are still so excited about it now. And I think it's part of the reason why JT will be welcome with open arms in this locker room. They know that this offense is slowly but surely coming around. We've seen them get better every week. Uh, we, we were talking on the last pod. You can go back to the postgame pod about AR's ceiling is is so much higher than, than where he's at now and that you just see him, you know, stacking good week after good week, but also just gaining, reading more of the field. He's, he's you know, throwing downfield more often this week than before. Now you're going to throw Jonathan Taylor into this mix. There's a lot of reason to be excited. There is, and you're right, coming off of Sunday's game, that's part of the reason why, even though you lose in overtime and you dig yourself a 23 nothing hole against the Rams, it's still a reason why there's more optimism than pessimism coming out of a loss is because of the way Anthony Richardson played and the, and the explosiveness that he showed throughout that game, especially in the second half of some of the incredible plays he made to get the Colts back into it. I never really thought about it, but you are right. Like, Ken Newton, right, again, like, you hear a lot of comparisons of Anthony Richardson's game to other quarterbacks. So it's not like we've never seen his style of play before, but you are right when you think about it, like Michael Turner, J.K. Dobbins, like I guess Jonathan Stewart would be the closest or the best running back comparison for Cam Newton in Carolina. You are right, none of them, none of those running backs, especially at the time that they were there with their quarterback, were ever like top five, like perennial top five running backs in the league, top three, top two, like Jonathan Taylor is right now. Still coming off an injury, but we'll, you know, so I think it'll take a little bit of time for him to get back. But if he gets back to 2021 form here in the second half of the season, you are right, George. We have never seen a quarterback running back duo that deadly in the run game before where either of them on any single carry can break an 80 yard run to the house. It's going to be a nightmare for defensive coordinators to try to slow them down. Because again, if you load the box, try to take away the run, not only has we seen John tell me to do that against the Patriots is the, you know, the first how it come to my head, Patriots pull like 10 guys in the box. One hole opens up and see it later, he's gone. Um, not only even if you still load the box, you're still one missed tackle away from a home run being hit. It's also now opens up the deep passing in that we saw for the first time this season. Anthony Richardson really exploiting this Colts receiving core tight end group, really get open and make some plays down the field. It's George again. Still, we got to see it now. Um, in real life, got to see it come to fruition, got to see it a little bit more consistently. But this offense, you look going forward here. There is a lot of reason for optimism this season now, especially with number 23 return to the lineup. You definitely want to buy stock in this offense right now. I mean, it, it, it's trending in the right direction for sure. I mean, how would you like to be the defensive end on, on some of these RPOs, making the decision to crash down or, you know, to stay out, you know, play the quarterback and to play the halfback? How, how do you make that call? Um, you almost have to be Grover Stewart there and go tackle both of them like you did last year on, on one play. That That's about the only way here uh to to be right you know defensively so and it's going to take some time I mean, like you said it's not going to happen overnight taylor's got to get football conditioning back and and that's always different i have no doubt knowing him and, and being around him you know for a few years that he's been working his butt off and he's he's in good condition as far as cardiovascular goes 
Surrey's been out there doing his work. Uh, Shane Sykin confirmed that as well on, on Monday when he talked to the media uh, that, that, you know, he's done all his rehab. He's been diligent and all that. Uh, but football shape's a different animal. We all know that. That's going to take a little while to get going. Although Zach, Zach Moss got up and running pretty quick. His, his layoff wasn't quite as long. It wasn't December for him. Uh, but, you know, he he got up and running pretty quickly. We'll see how long that takes with Taylor. But there's also going to be some chemistry here. I mean, part of that RPO is, you know, the relationship between the running back and the quarterback and them kind of both of them seeing the same thing, both of them understanding what's going to happen basically from you know, the moment the ball snapped. That's not going to happen instantly. You know, there's going to be some miscommunication there. I'm sure there's going to be a couple of times when, when AR feels like he should have given it away there's gonna be a couple times where he feels like he should have kept it uh but like you said second half of this season you know assuming taylor's up and running here in the next couple weeks which seems to be the the view right now uh you get into week nine week 10 week 11 you should start seeing some of this and i think it's it makes me wonder it's one one thing i wanted to ask you about on this pod should we change the expectations we've been, you know, the theme of the pod has been manage expectations since pretty much draft day, but with the schedule, the way it is with them at 500 at worst, two and three at the end of the, of this week, you know, is it, should they be in the hunt? Should they be on that graphic for most of this season? If not all this season, you know, if not straight up in the wild card chase, I mean, so when we reevaluated our expectations last week, right? This time last week, check it out uh, just a week ago, and it's still very fresh in terms of we basically went through the schedule, did win loss realistically. We had them around eight and nine, right? Conservatively split a few games. That included, like, we didn't give them a, a win over the Rams necessarily. I think we said we split Rams Titans. So again, you got to win this week to kind of keep pace, if you will, um, with that eight win um, or that, yeah, eight win win total um that we had after last week after that Ravens overtime win I still I'm gonna sit there right now just because again like you said I think it's gonna take a little bit to get Jonathan Taylor back in the fold he's not gonna come in if he even like if he plays on Sunday he's not doing Zach Moss did where you go from zero to 100 he's not gonna get 25 carries so and like you said that's a good point too there is chemistry that has to be figured out here because the zone read like the RPO it is like you have to have both the running back and the quarterback on the same page. It's not just a running uh, quarterback only decision to pull the ball or keep it. John Taylor also has to have it in a way where he's allowing the quarterback to pull it. If he wants to make sure there's no, you know, exchange issues. So I think it's going to also take a few weeks to work out. I think right now the eight and nine win total is fair um, or eight and nine record projection is fair. And honestly, for right, right now though, how the Jaguars are playing, George, I think that has you in the hunt. Now, you may be on the bottom of the graphic, you know, uh, anytime you see any TV shows talking about teams uh, and the playoff chase, we get closer. But I think you'll see the Colts name, if you want to, you know, I guess a vision in the bottom, right, where they do the in the hunt teams. I think you'll see the Colts name for a good amount of the season, um, especially, like I said, the schedule is very manageable. The, the final month is very, I think, very manageable. The last four games of the season where it's like Falcons, Steelers, uh, Texans, um, and one other team, I am blank out of time. I had Raiders, I think it is like that's again. I know again, we talked about it. There's really right now one team going forward or one game you kind of circle and say they probably won't win. And that's the Bengals, but I mean, we just were kind of talking before the pod, George. Bengals get smoked by the Titans. Joe Burrow's clearly hurt. If the tight, if the Bengals, excuse me, are sitting there one and six 
one and seven, two and eight, as they go kind of nearing Thanksgiving, if you're Cincinnati, do you just shut down Joe Burrow and just have him, you know, heal his calf? And if that's the case, could the Colts be facing um, Jake Browning at quarterback instead of Joe Burrow? If that's the case, that clearly changes your expectations and your projections going to that game. So it's like right now you look at the schedule, there's one game that we would pencil in a guaranteed loss. Uh, they're going to lose other games, obviously, throughout the way, but I think there's one game right now that you say, yeah, they that's by far the hardest game they'll have to face, and they definitely will win that one against the Bengals on the road. I think it's like week 14 off the top of my head, something like that. But it's also, again, we could be talking about a different Bengals team that game and that week compared to what we're seeing right now with how the season goes. I'm going to still say eight wins is where I'll stick. I'm not going to up it just yet until we kind of see how Jonathan Taylor and Anthony Richardson look and how quickly those two get on the same, um, on the same page. But if they are clicking maybe sooner than we think, George, I think you have a chance to up that number above 500 here. And again, if you're eight and nine, nine and eight in this division right now with how the Jaguars playing, let alone, I think you're in the hunt, but in the AFC, like a lot of the, I think a lot of teams we thought would be perennial playoff teams have gotten off to a slow start. Chargers, Jets, obviously, with the Aaron Rodgers injury, are not blazing out of the gates. Browns uh, were a playoff team. I thought we were going to be good. They've gotten slow out of the gate as well. It's not, a, it's, it's not a runaway in the AFC just yet. So two and two, it's not like the Colts are right now towards the uh, back of the pack. I think that's going to be a team that's in the hunt. Are you? So are you raising your expectations at all, George, right now? I think that Taylor gives you the opportunity to imagine it. I think that's you know, to me, that, that, that's where it's at. Like, I think for the first time, really this calendar year, you can sit down and say, well, if everything breaks right, you know, they could make a playoff run here. They could, they could be a wild card team. If again, if Taylor and, and Richardson get that chemistry and if the defense can hold up, you know, those are, those are the yeah. two big factors here. Uh, but if Richardson keeps gaining steam the way he has so far, and I think, this is something I think is really good from the Colts standpoint. CJ Stroud's got all the headlines right now, rightfully so, because he's playing out of his mind and his numbers are, you know, record setting right now. Uh, but as a result of that, the Colts are still kind of under the radar. I think the combination of Stroud playing as well as he has and Richardson dealing with the injuries early in the year that he did, there's not a lot of buzz. It, if people haven't actually watched Colts games, as witnessed by some of the comments from the national media that have come out, they don't really understand what's going on here right now. And I think that's really good for the Colts in terms of it's not going to affect them on game day because teams know. The teams they're playing know. Tennessee's not under any illusions of, of what they're facing. They understand what Anthony Richardson's doing, and they'll be preparing for that. But the Colts aren't going to be facing that that crush of outside expectations for a while because they are still under the radar. And I think that's good for them right now because they this team has a chip on its shoulder. It has since they got into training camp. They've been saying from day one when they reported that they're going to be better than everybody thinks they're going to be. So far, they're backing that up. We'll see if they can continue that. I think the fact that Anthony Richardson's able to sort of slide underneath the radar right now and just keep improving as he has – Every week, if, if that trend continues and then Jonathan Taylor seamlessly joins this team, to me, that that allows you to start dreaming a little bit bigger than than we were, you know, back in July. 
I do like the fact they are under the radar. I'm 100% with you there. I like the fact that Richardson's not getting blown up by everybody. The fact that, right, the now almost overinflation of expectations now are coming in where now people are calling the Colts like a dark horse playoff team too early before they're really ready. I'm with you. I like the fact that right now through four games, the first month of the season, Richardson has shown flashes and it almost feels like a, a secret, if you will. Like, obviously, we we all see it by right? watching him so far through the first three games that he's played his career, but it feels like no one else really noticed. And I think in part, like you said, because C.J. Stroud, especially coming off the thumping of the Steelers, um, C.J. Stroud's getting a lot of the headlines and rightfully so he's played really well. Um, but I I like that. I, I'm with you there. I like the fact that right now it's kind of under the radar, quiet secret. Jonathan Taylor is coming back. Still, no one's kind of getting crazy about it. No one's making as what we love to do, building people up just to tear them down. So far, it's it's quiet. It's kind of the calm before the storm, it feels like, if this if this duo especially could really take off here in the next few weeks. Ah, and to me, that's perfect. Those are the circumstances this franchise has worked best in in, in the post-Bait Manning era. You know, the years where, where they the least was expected of them tends to be when they've performed at, at their best. So I think it's good that they can kind of continue to do this. Just in the fact that you still have a rookie quarterback, you still have a first-year head coach, um, don't put those crazy expectations on them. Let them, you know, kind of just continue to do what they've done, be impressive on, on a weekly basis, uh, make these big gains. And, and I think this offense in particular has a lot of room to grow, and we've seen it already starting. I still think what they did Sunday was really impressive uh, because the Rams knew what was coming in the second half. It's not like they could really switch a lot of things up on them. They were 23 points down. The Rams knew they were going to throw the ball. There was no question about that. Uh, and the Colts were able to get out there with a banged up offensive line with two starters out and with two other starters playing hurt and against Aaron Donald. You know, so it's not like they had an easy task for for the guys that, that were the backups and move the football consistently, get back in the game. And honestly, you go back to we were talking about this right before we start recording. You go back to the Kylan Granson third down, the last offensive snap the Colts took in that game. Spender gets a little lucky, kind of has his arm in the, in the right place at the right time. I'm not even sure it was intentional. He was just trying to, to, to get where he needs to get disrupts that maybe Granson can still bring it in maybe not we could argue that for the rest of the year but if that is a catch if that play is not made by the defender or if Granson pulls it in they're in field goal range but there's certainly one or two runs away from field goal range so to do that with a backup line 23 it shows you how far the offense is coming if they can get some consistency and they can add Jonathan Taylor into this mix this could, I don't think it's crazy to say this could be a top 10 offense by any stretch of imagination. You know, it's encouraging too. And I think it's kind of perfect timing coming off Monday night football in which if you watch it all, you saw Daniel Jones stink basically where he got sacked 11 times against the Seahawks front. What's exciting is because you just kind of highlighted a lot of the excuses, especially since here I'm in New York. I hear it a lot of, of Daniel Jones defenders. Oh, well, the offensive line's banged up and oh, Saquon Barkley didn't play and the receivers are not proven. Anthony Richardson is playing in a very similar situation right now where, like you said, you're going against Aaron Donald, arguably still the best defender in the NFL, with two starters on the offensive line out, with your best running back out. The receivers are more established, right, I think, on the Colts compared to the Giants. But again, it's not like Michael Pittman Jr. is a top-10 receiver in the NFL or Alec Pierce is an ascending 
uh, wide receiver in the NFL or these tight ends are the best tight end group in the NFL. There's talent, but so far unproven talent and, and inconsistent talent. So it's a large part the same circumstances Anthony Richardson is in compared to Daniel Jones. And you saw Monday night, Daniel Jones could not whatsoever elevate his team in the slightest. He, he, he could not. And when you were, by the way, you're getting paid like a top 10 quarterback like Daniel Jones is. You are expected, no matter who's out there, to elevate your team bare minimum, give them a chance. He could not do that whatsoever. And you saw Anthony Richardson in the second half elevate what's around him. Make plays. Almost, again, at a times, will this team to a comeback. And again, we talked about it on the postgame pod um, on Sunday. Vacation missed, I'll reiter- uh, reiterate it here. When I was hosting on CBS Sports Radio during um, Sunday's action, we had Ernest Jones, Rams linebacker, after the game on. And he said, out of his way, Anthony Richardson is a real one. The Colts got a real one. Players know, George. Players know before anybody, right, who is real and who is not. We can think, oh, look at this play. This guy is great or this guy stinks. Players actually know who is legit and who is not. For him to kind of go out of his way to say that about Richardson and really go out of his way to say that after he played well for just one half, I think it kind of shows you like players are around the league are starting to know And even though maybe they're not going out of their way, especially defenders to kind of praise him and and hype Richardson up, it feels like right now this, at least the secret is out amongst players about Richardson's talents, but it's still nationally a secret, if you will, in terms of him not getting the hype, which again, I think is really, really good and kind of lends the fact that the Colts can be one of those sneaky teams where, you know, we talked about in the offseason, maybe the Bears being like one of those fun offenses to watch. Um, or the Commanders, or even the Falcons being a fun offense to watch with all the weapons they have around Desmond Ritter. I don't think you're off whatsoever in terms of the Colts being a top 10. If Jonathan Taylor lives up to the projections we have for him of of returning to that 2021 form here the second half of the year, I don't think you're off whatsoever in calling this offense a top 10 offense by the time 2023 ends. I think you're 100% spot on. I think it was interesting too. I mean, you mentioned Daniel Jones, that the pick six, that's honestly what I expected from Richardson this year because he's inexperienced. He's trying to find his way and you're going to make mistakes like that. To me, maybe the most impressive stat he's had uh, so far in three starts is that he's only thrown one interception because it's not like they've not been throwing the football. You know, he's, he's had plenty of attempts, uh, but he's taking care of the ball. He's making good decisions. Not always putting the ball exactly where you want it to be, but he's 21 years old. He's had three starts in the NFL. That's what makes C.J. Stroud ridiculous right now, that he is always putting the ball exactly where he wanted it to be. Uh, But you're seeing that come. I mean, the throw that Richardson made to Josh Downs in the second half on on Sunday, uh, the 30-yarder, that was exactly where you want it to be. The throw, you've mentioned a couple times I've seen on, on Twitter or X or Twix or whatever we're calling it these days, the throw to Mo Alley Cox. There aren't very many quarterbacks in, in this league that can make that throw off one foot in its 25 yard laser. It wasn't floating out there. It was absolutely, you know, had every bit of power behind it. You know, the touchdown throw to, to Drew Ogletree wasn't a long one. It was a really good throw, really good play. The two point conversion to, to Zach Moss where, you know, he, Nothing's there immediately on the pass. He tries to go on the run. The Rams shut that down. Aaron Donald's breathing down his neck. He trips, holds himself up, extends the play, and eventually Zach Moss is standing by himself. These are things any quarterback in the NFL does that you'd be impressed. 
a guy in his third career start doing it, that's not normal. And two, George, the the uh, past Alec Pierce, right? Pierce gets a lot of credit because there's a tough catch interfered with. But you look at the throw Richardson made, he's basically flat-footed, throwing it with no momentum whatsoever as Aaron Donald is wrapping up, wrapping him up and whips him to the ground. So he was still, again, a little bit underthrown, but I'm going to put underthrown in air quotes because of the circumstances. Aaron Donald has you in his grasp. You are flat-footed. You got nothing on the throw, and he still was able to throw, was it 30 yards down the field? To give Pierce 38. a chance, 38 yards. Down, like, it's like, and I missed this on Sunday. And I, it's an, I hate Twitter in part because now it's like they automatically go for the for you page instead of following. So it's like, oh, you may like this. So your tweets um, of Anthony Richardson warming up on Sunday morning, George, came uh, to my feed this morning as we're getting ready for the podcast. And it's of him flat footed from his own 45 yard line. Throwing it like he's having a catch in the backyard, except the ball's going 65 yards in the air to the goal line. And it's just like that that warm-up then brings you back to the Alec Pierce throw and why he's able to make it. Because in warm-ups, he's throwing it again. Like he's in the backyard having a catch or, or if I'm having a catch with him, he's 10 yards away and you're throwing it easy. Except the ball he's throwing is going 65 yards in the air like it's nothing. You see that translate on the field in a game where you have no power behind you to get the ball deep. And just your pure arm strength alone allows you to get the ball 35 yards down the field and allow your receiver to make a play. And again, Pierce's credit made a play and help again get the Colts back in this game. It's stuff like that you see where it's just like we said it kind of on Sunday. Wow. Like your jaw truly hits the floor and you see those plays and you see right now in front of you in a game what led the Colts to making this decision and why they were so. So in with a lot of conviction on Richardson coming out of Florida, where the Florida tape, again, gave you some flashes, but also gave you a lot of concerns as well. You see, George, why the Colts were all in on AR. Yeah, we were talking about next-gen stats on the postgame pod. I would love to see what the next-gen stats are. One, for Richardson to get that pass off. You know, what what What's the percentage of throwing a completion when Aaron Rodgers is spinning or Aaron Donald is spinning you around and throwing you to the ground? But then Pierce on the other end, being interfered and late hit, that's got to be less than 1% that that's going to end up in a completion for the offense on both ends combined. You're right. And to their credit, they're making the plays. And that's what we kind of talked about before. Someone make a play for a young quarterback. Richardson made a play for himself to just keep the play alive. Pierce rewarded his quarterback. And like I said, hopefully we could see that now going forward a lot more, uh, a lot more often, and speaking of making big plays for your quarterback, that helps big time when Jonathan Taylor does return, George. One thing I found interesting, I want to get your thoughts on here, was on Monday's press coverage, Shane Sykin, when he announced that uh, that Jonathan Taylor is expected to return to practice this week and they're going to get him back in the practice field again, with Wednesday's practice now just being a walkthrough, actually put the pads on and actually start practicing for real on Thursday. He said, and I just want to read the quotes here to get it accurate, George. Uh, Sykin said that, uh, JT is, quote, excited to be back, end quote, then also went on later in his press conference at a different point uh, with answering a different question, saying that JT's in a good spot and excited to get back with his teammates. Obviously, right, hindering on or, or one of the ways that we see this explosiveness and the excitement build between Richardson and Jonathan Taylor and what we think this offense could look like is predicated on Jonathan Taylor being in a good headspace and being motivated still to have a big year. Do you, what did you make of Shane Sykin again, multiple times now 
reiterating, maybe in his way, almost emphasizing that Jonathan Taylor is excited to be back. Are you buying that in, in the sense of Jonathan Taylor's headspace right now? I am for a couple of reasons. One, uh, we know that Sykin won't give us any more info than, than he needs to. I mean, that's, we're far enough into this relationship now to understand how many times has he said that they're going to have more conversations about this, or he's going to keep that private. If he doesn't want to say something, he just won't say it. he's not a guy uh, really throwing smoke screens out there. This whole, this whole process. I mean, in training camp, if you don't see Jonathan Taylor, he's rehabbing. That's the kind of stuff we get, not, you know, details about how, how his mindset is. But the other reason is we obviously haven't seen him in a long time. And it's been a couple months since this happened, so I'm not going to sit there and say, you know, definitively it hasn't changed. But when training camp was going on, you know, the, all the pictures out there of of Taylor glowering, you know, you've seen all those, and those were real, and and that's the the image most people walked away from. But there were a few times during camp where he was, especially like when the rest of him was either stretching or you know, maybe early on in practice where like the quarterbacks are throwing routes versus air Taylor's over there with Steichen and they were having very friendly conversations that looked, you know, very positive. It underscores that. I guess my point is, I don't think Jonathan Taylor's problems ever been with Shane Steichen. He's mad at the front office. He's mad at the owner. He's mad at the general manager. He's not mad at the new head coach. So it all a roundabout way of saying it, very believable to me that that Shane Steichen and and John Taylor do have a good relationship. And I would imagine if Taylor has watched this team the last four weeks, he has the same reaction. Everybody else does that. If he can get in there in the lineup and play alongside these guys, he could help this team win some games. I would agree. Like you said, for two reasons, number one, I think you're 100% spot on and you are 100% right. Especially you know more than anyone being in, in Shane's press conferences every day. He does not give any details. Right, he if he does not have to say anything, he will not. He tries to be as vanilla as possible with anything, with injuries, with how guys are feeling, with scheme, with how the offense is going to look. He is one of those coaches where he tries to be as secretive as he possibly can. So you're right, he wouldn't have offered, "Hey, JT's excited to be back here multiple times," if he didn't have to, or if he if it wasn't true. Like he's not someone who lies, right? Like you said, he's not a liar. All he does is just not answer the question, and usually it's through one of the two crutches of. We'll have those conversations or we'll keep those conversations private. That's about it. So he could have easily said, yeah, you know, I've talked to JT. We'll keep those conversations private about his headspace, everything like that. You know, I'm excited for him to be back on the field. And you could have left it at that and move on. I think, it, like you said, it's telling that he said multiple times, JT is excited to be back. I don't think he would have said that if that was not true. But also, too, at this, like we've talked about a lot. Running backs have no leverage. Running backs can try to hold out, can try to grab some sort of leverage, but they have none. And so if you're Jonathan Taylor, again, I think reality at this point has to set in of you are not getting a new deal. You are not getting traded. And the own, the best path for you to getting the deal you want is by playing this year and playing well. He does himself no favors and only hurts himself more than helping himself if he drags his feet, sits out, is a bad soldier, if you will, and does not play well. Like if he had, if he comes out here half asses at George, comes in out of shape, gets hurt again, or just not effective, and Zach Moss is deemed to be the better running back. If we're sitting in week fifteen and we're talking about Zach Moss being the better option, Jonathan Taylor is not getting anywhere near the contract he expects or he wants at the end of the year from the Colts or anybody else. 
So, so you're like, it's crappy in a way, but it's the reality of the NFL business. Even though he's not getting the contract he wants, even though he sees, you know, the unfortunate injuries, Nick Chubb being the latest as to why running backs don't want to take the field without a new contract. It is in Jonathan Taylor's best interest to have a career year for the whatever 12, 13 games, possibly 13 games he has this season because that's the only way he's going to get paid. And so at this point, George, I think you have to accept reality if you're JT. And the more you pout, the more you complain, the more you loaf, the more you just not play or not play at a high level. At the end, it only hurts you more than hurt, uh, hurts the Colts. And that's not a new take from you. I mean, you've been saying that since, since this all started back in training camp, that eventually his really best way forward was going to be to get out there and, and, and play as well as he can and earn a new contract either here or somewhere else. That, that's been very consistent from you throughout all the craziness that, that, that has gone on in this saga. Uh, I don't think you've ever wavered on that. Uh, as far as the you know situation running backs are in, I was texting somebody last night, somebody else on the B after, you know, Daniel Jones playing the way he was and uh, talking about, you know, like quarterback like that gets paid and, and running backs don't. That's Saquon Barkley living through that right now with the Giants. Um, and it's not fair. And I said, it, it's it's similar to the business world right now. Quarterbacks are the CEOs. Doesn't matter if they do their job well or not. Their their pay always goes up. They're always going to get paid. If you're even remotely competent, you're going to be among the highest paid people. And the running backs are, are like the rest of us office, office drones. There's a ceiling on us no matter what. You could be the best you know that, that you've ever been, and you're only getting paid so much. That's unfortunately that's where running backs are right now. I mean it's it's a terrible spot to be in. Um, it's not fair to JT. It's not fair to Saquon Barkley, but what doesn't help them is Dalvin cook. You know, he gets released by the Vikings and he goes and signs with the jets and you can see why the Vikings wanted to let him go right now. And that's, that's, it's not an isolated incident. That's part of the problem. You see running backs just don't have a long shelf life and they're not getting, they're not getting paid. That's just the reality of the NFL. And I agree with you. I think Jonathan Taylor's best weapon right now is to go out there and, and this offense looks like it's going to give him the chance to do it. You know, have whatever it looks like, 1,200 yards over the last 13 games. I don't know what, what he's capable of. Go out there and, and post eye-popping numbers like you did in 2021, and the rest will take care of itself. I'm glad you brought the Giants too because, again, I think that that game, I think for the Colts, is actually really well-timed. And if you haven't watched, honestly, I think if you're a Colts fan, it's worth going back. Obviously, you are a Colts fan listening, but I think it's worth honestly going back and even just look at the highlights from the Giants-Seahawks game on Monday night. Because also, too, right, there, we talked about the lack of help around Daniel Jones, but also the lack of help around Anthony Richardson. I think Richardson so far has done more with his situation than Jones has with his situation. But you look at Daniel Jones since he got in the NFL in 2019, when Saquon Barkley is not in the lineup and he missed basically all of, I think it was 2020 with an ACL tear. I think it was, he's been Saquon Barkley has been hurt and he's missed unfortunately a good amount of games, but in the time he's missed in those games, when Daniel Jones has played and Saquon Barkley is not Jones has more interceptions and touchdowns. So that's a guy that, like you said, quarterbacks get paid, running backs don't, but there's also a direct correlation of when Saquon Barkley is in the lineup and playing, he makes his quarterback better. Now, if you're, again, I think Richardson so far has played better, and obviously we've seen him without the best offensive player in Jonathan Taylor not on the field. Colts have won two games, and in the three games Richardson's played, has looked competent. But also, if you're Chris Ballard looking ahead now, and Jonathan Taylor, let's say, comes in these last 
let's say he plays like because we have 13, uh, 13 games left, right? Yeah, 13 games left. My that's my math correct. But let's just say he's up to speed. Jonathan Taylor still trying to get his legs back. So let's just say he has 10 games this season that he's fully back in football shape and fully, let's say, 10 games to show he's 2021 Jonathan Taylor again. Um, if you are Chris Ballard with Anthony Richardson on a rookie deal, you're not paying two, you know, premium guys. Don't you want Jonathan Taylor if you if he looks like 2021 version in those 10 games? You want him around for the long term to again make Anthony Richardson's life easier, not harder. And that's just another example of like you see Jalen Jones's play suffers without a good running back. Now, again, not that Anthony Richardson has been bad so far through four games now. JT's been, I think, a lot better than a lot of us anticipated, but we talked about how much easier his life is made with a star running back. If this is a top 10 offense, like you said before, at the end of the season, I don't see how Ballard and Ursa can't pay Taylor at the end of the year. And again, if you're JT, that's where playing your best benefits you the most. And I do think like we've talked this before. It's been reported a ton. The Colts are not against giving Jonathan Taylor an extension. The Colts are right now against giving Jonathan Taylor extension at this point in the season, at this very moment. They are not out on re-signing JT as an overall principle. Again, it's a philosophy that I don't I don't necessarily agree with, but this is their stance. They want to see basically JT get back to that 2020, 2021 versions of him first before paying him. If he reaches that, and let's say these final 10 games that he's fully back, I don't see how you, you don't pay him, George, and I don't see how paying him would be a mistake um, based on the expectations of what they would look like with Richardson paired in this offense. I mean, that's... The reason I've been so hard on the Colts in this process, you know, all along, uh, yes, the, the market is what it is, and we all understand that. Running backs aren't getting paid anywhere. Uh, but I've always felt like Taylor gives this team a better chance to win. We've, we've said that consistently. He helps your young quarterback. He's going to help your development of your young quarterback, and that supposedly is the most important thing right now in this this organization. Uh, so you sh- should be doing everything you can to, to you know, facilitate that. Uh, but what you just said about the, the rookie contract, that's why I've always been in favor of giving the extension. Because if that extension is going to last about the length of, of Richardson's rookie contract. And by the time that extension's up and it's time to pay Richardson, you would think he'd be far enough along that you can bring in a rookie running back and and, and it'll work. You know, he can carry more of the right. load. So that's why I haven't really understood the Colts' stance all along. But like you said, their stance is – what it is has it gone too far down the road those are questions we can't really answer till january is the relationship fixable chris ballard seems to think it is literally the rest of the world does not we will see how that works out you know we really can't answer those questions till the season's over but this common sense tells me that if taylor has a good relationship with shane steichen which by all accounts he does and he gets into this offense and he looks as good as he potentially could. And he has the same opinion of, of Anthony Richardson that it seems like every other player in the NFL right now has. That his there would be some part of him that would want to hang around no matter what's happened, you know, in the past year. So we'll see. You know, that that who knows with the agent, with all the other nonsense that's gone on with the owner here, who knows what's around the corner next. But like you said, if you go out and you have 10 really good games where you're at an all pro level, there's at least going to be conversations. 
let's say he does reach that. And we'll get to our expectations for JT here in a second. But let's just say, hypothetically, he reaches and looks like the 2021 version of JT that we know and love. I don't see a situation, George, where if the Colts offer JT what he wants contract-wise, that he turns it down. Like, I don't think that he, even though he requested a trade, he's like, get me out of here. I'll take less to go somewhere else. I'm not reciting no matter what. If the Colts give him the offer he's looking for at the end of the year, I don't see a situation in which he says no. I don't know. That That's a big question. I, I just don't know how bad the relationship is. The fact that he's excited to come back, according to Shane Sykin right now, certainly lends towards, towards your argument right now and the way that you're seeing things. Um, we'll see. I definitely think if, if you end up at the end of the year that the Colts have the highest offer of anybody, I can't see him saying no. Uh, but a lot there there's a I think there's still a long road between here and there. There is definitely bad blood between the organization and Jonathan Taylor. And I think it's one thing to realize the situation you're in right now and come back and play for this team. It's another thing to to re-up and sign, you know, for, for years into the future. Uh, but I think the way these next what three months go uh will really determine a lot of that. You know, how well uh he fits into this offense, what the relationship is with him and Shane Sykin, but really what the relationship is with him and Anthony Richardson. This is another, everything in this organization eventually comes back to number five. And this is another one of those things. If Taylor in December or January feels like this organization is, you know, upwardly mobile and that Richardson is the future of the NFL, uh, then it, I think it'd be hard for him to leave. That's just that's not based on any readings that I have of him or, you know, I like I said, I have no idea where the relationship is right now with him, and the Colts, but all reports are it's still pretty awful. Um, but just human nature and, and, and simple logic tells me that if things are working really well, he's going to want to say. And going back to helping out your quarterback and helping out number five, George, so far through three games, Anthony Richardson has 23 rush attempts. And that's really through nine quarters. So 23 rush attempts on the season, basically playing nine quarters so far this season. He is on pace for 122 carries. Now, the record in a season by a quarterback is a 176 by Lamar Jackson. So he's not going to eclipse that. Also missing a game, you know, obviously at least one game. Um, minimizes the chance of setting a record for carries, but you're in the ballpark, right? 122 and 176 is not in the overall grand scheme of things that far apart. And so, again, I don't think the Colts want or envision Anthony Richardson carrying the ball 122 times this season like he's on pace for. Part of that is out of necessity because the run game we saw in week number one was non-existent outside of Richardson. Again, even on Sunday, he had some explosive runs with his legs. It was a 10, I think, for 56 on the ground. Um, and provided, outside of a run or two from Zach Moss, the most juice. Again, part of Jonathan Taylor's return and part of Jonathan Taylor being an indie here for the long term, or I guess really in the short term in the sense of running back contracts, but you get my point here for the next few years, is taking the wear and tear off Richardson's body and not having him be like Cam Newton or even Andrew Luck, where the hits he takes early in his career come back to bite him in five or six years from now when he's worn down. Again, you, you look at the early numbers of, of rushing attempts, Jonathan Taylor not only adds more explosiveness, not only adds another threat to this offense that defenses have to worry about, it also saves Richardson 
for let's say 10 years from now, George. So he's still upright and hopefully the quarterback of this team, not in retirement, like we've seen, unfortunately, now other quarterbacks that run a similar style and or gotten beat up a lot. Like, unfortunately, we saw with the last franchise quarterback here in Indy. And to that point, I mean, even on Sunday, he finished the game, which was a really big step. And I think everybody was happy to see that. Uh, but before that two point conversion, he was limping and he took a lot of other pretty big hits in that contest that made you kind of wince and wonder getting back up on this one. Uh, so you do want to obviously limit that as much as you can. And I think that's another area where Taylor takes some of that, that load away because he's obviously going to get a bigger workload. Uh, I think at the end of the day on Sunday, it was 18 carries, I think for Moss, um, which is probably around where you want him to be, but it felt like it was really, out of whack. Most of Moss's carries felt like they came in the second half. The first half was more Richardson heavy. And then as they got into some flow offensively and they started to make plays, you got more carries for the running back. So, uh, you know, theoretically, Jonathan Taylor would, would take that load away right from the start. We'll see. I mean, and I think the fact that you'd have Taylor and Moss, not like Moss is going anywhere. Right. Taylor rejoins this. You're going to have Moss back there as well. So far, the running back by committee has has not happened. The committee has been Zach Moss. So it's been a committee of one. Yes. But if you bring in Jonathan Taylor, you know, it it can help all the way around in there because I I think you could see a situation where you've got 20-ish, just to keep the numbers, you know, pretty easy to deal with, 20-ish carries for Taylor and maybe 10 to 12 for for Moss and then – like five for Richardson. I think that's probably more where they want to be and, and ideally where they can get to if Jonathan Taylor can be healthy and can be out there week in and week out. Right. I mean, you're talking about a three member committee of running the football primarily with JT Moss and Richardson. Like you said, Richardson should get the least amount of carries. And even within that, right. If it's like five, six, seven, you think maybe at least half of those would be, hey, nothing's open down the field. I'm going to run here and take 10 yards, either slide or get out of bounds. Maybe you only have two or three designed runs where you're running up the middle. And again, even within those rush attempts, if half of the six or half of the eight attempts he has are just kind of him and nothing's there, I mean, just take the 10 yards and get down and get out of bounds. You're still saving your body. And if it's only two or three rush attempts a game that are truly kind of one of those quarterback powers, quarterback draws up the middle where you're getting hit, just preserve your body again for the long term and help your quarterback out, not just here in the short term, but obviously also in the long term as well. Um, let me ask you this, George. What are your expect? Like, I, I, I'll, I'll put it that. Let me phrase it this way. Here are my expectations for John and Taylor this season. Let me know if I'm too low or too high. So we have 13 games left. I whether him playing on Sunday is still a question mark. So I'll give a one game wiggle room here for Jonathan Taylor this season, George. I expect 12 games. I expect over a thousand yards. Am I too low? Am I too high? Where, in terms of how would you judge those expectations of games played, and especially more importantly, rushing yards here? Do you see Jonathan Taylor going over a thousand yards this season in this offense? It's so hard right now because we really just don't know where he's at. Um, you know, physically, um, obviously hasn't done anything since December, football related, which is concerning. Um, but if he's taught me anything in, in his career, is you don't put a ceiling on on this guy. And what he did in twenty twenty one was amazing uh, the Patriots game that year the one you referenced earlier Carson Wentz was five for 12 in that game and he had I think it was 175 yards I want to say 
It was incredible. Uh, obviously had the game-breaking run at the end that, that clinched it when everybody in the building, including Bill Belichick, knew that he was getting the ball. Uh, and like you said, broke one tackle, and then off he goes to the house. I'm never going to put a limit on him. So I, I can't say you're too high because if he's healthy and he's getting the opportunities and the line's blocking the way it has so far this year and Richardson is taking some of the focus of the defense away, as you would expect that he would, I think that's a reachable number for him. But again, we just don't know where he's at. You know, that ankle may be healed and, and by all counts it is and, and probably has been for a while but you know is he in a situation where because he hasn't been on the field for so long are there going to be soft tissue injuries is he going to have you know football's as violent as it is anyway so there's there's always a question with the running backs but i just think that that layoff makes me wonder you're going to see hamstrings are you going to see groins you know things that those lingering kind of things that happen because you, you just haven't been on the football field uh for a long time and hopefully part of that, you know, way to mitigate that is right by taking it easy, not doing the Zach Moss approach, like you said before, of having him go from zero to a hundred and have, what was it? 2018. I think it was 18 rush attempts was the exact number for Zach Moss in his season debut against the Texans in week number two. I don't expect that. But again, with 13 games, left, right, we, we kept talking about, and we've said the, the number 10, a good amount of this podcast of, okay, if you have 10 games of Jonathan Taylor to be in peak form, well, then quick math is with 13 games to go. That's three games to get ramped up. I think it's fair. I mean, again, we'll, you know, we've not exactly seen a lot of, it's not a lot of precedent, right, for this situation before. But you would think for someone who's not played since December, who's getting ready for, to practice for the first time since that Vikings collapse, to put it kindly, um, that you would think three games of getting back in the flow of someone who Shane Second said is in good condition like good conditioning, um, a good conditioning space. Now, obviously, football shape and conditioning shape was two different things. But at least in theory, you hope that good conditioning shape means or helps to mitigate, right, those groin injuries, those hamstring injuries, those calf injuries that you think maybe could pop up if you haven't done a lot of football activity and haven't done a lot of running um, before. Hopefully, good conditioning shape means um, that those injuries that you, those soft injury, uh, soft tissue injuries you just referenced are less likely. And if that's the case, three games should be enough time to, again, ramp up and help you be at a spot where come week 10-ish, week nine, week eight, you are in a good spot to hit the ground running and get back to your old form. Yeah, if the Colts can get that, I don't think a thousand yards is out of the question whatsoever, especially again, when you have now for the first time in Jonathan Taylor's career, an actual threat from your, like, right? Because you mentioned before, and the Patriots game specifically, that kind of highlights so far the hallmark of his career early on the first, especially two years, with Phillip Rivers and Carson Wentz. Rivers was obviously better, but in terms of running the running the ball, there was no real threat outside of Jonathan Taylor. So teams could load the box and dare their Colts to throw. Phillip made him pay in 2020, but 2021, Carson Wentz for the most part did not. Right? There was It was for the most part, run JT and just kind of hide Carson Wentz as much as possible and not have him make mistakes. Now, when you look at Richardson's perspective, now we talk about it from, oh, AR, now the defense is going to have a threat because they have to watch JT, and that's going to take pressure off Richardson. Well, for the first time in Taylor's career, if he's running like we think he, but we expect him to run, well, now for the first time in his career, there's a threat not named Jonathan Taylor, where now defenses, forget about just game planning for JT, now have to game plan for AR, 
And that should make JT's life easier as well. So it's a mutually beneficial relationship here that, again, part of the reason why my expectations are so high for JT coming in, and I don't think a thousand yards is like overestimating it whatsoever, is because we talk about the relief JT brings AR, but also AR is bringing JT now relief as well in this offense and should open up more running lanes than he's had the first two years of his career, especially. I can confirm Phil Rivers was not a run threat whatsoever. Uh, but even, you know, even to the extent that he took advantage of those loaded boxes, he absolutely did. A lot of that was just mental with him, knowing where to put the ball. He didn't have his arm strength. It, it was gone by then. He wasn't going to throw the ball, you know, with Aaron Donald on him 38 yards downfield. That wasn't going to happen. Um, that's why I think there's there's – as much as the NFL hasn't seen anything like this before in terms of this particular quarterback and a running back of, of this stature, JT's not played with a quarterback like this. Uh, and, and I think that's going to be huge, like you said, from, from his standpoint. We, we've talked a lot about what JT can do for Anthony Richardson, but we haven't talked as much about what Richardson can do for Jonathan Taylor. And I think that is definitely a mutually beneficial relationship. And like you said, if if defenses want to come down in the box because okay, got to have that extra defender, you got to got to account for Jonathan Taylor. Richardson definitely looks like a quarterback who's going to make them pay for for that decision. And again, I, I think that's why I can see this being a top ten offense because defenses are going to have a lot to account for. Richardson's legs, Richardson's arm. And Taylor's legs, and and you're talking about all three of those elements being game breaking, instant touchdown kind of situations. You know, Richards can throw that that 50, 60 yard bomb that that's a touchdown from anywhere on the field. Uh, obviously, we've seen him have the breakaway speed, you know, and we know what John Taylor can do when he's healthy. So it it goes both ways. As much as Taylor can help the the development of Anthony Richardson and will help Anthony Richardson. Equally, Richardson can can give Jonathan Taylor really beneficial looks and, you know, help him get in position to make big plays. And you look at it, right? Matt Ryan struggled last year at the Colts when Jonathan Taylor was healthy. And then we won't even talk about the other quarterbacks that were playing when he was uh, when he was out. You have Carson Wentz, who, who again, the Colts try to protect more than anything else. He's not a game breaker. Philip Rivers, like you said, it was more mental with him where he put the ball in a spot before the receivers there. It wasn't. You weren't afraid of Phil Rivers, like I said, breaking out of the pocket, rolling out to his right and throwing the ball 50 yards down the field. You could play defenses 15 yards and in for the most part and not get worried about being burned deep. Go back to his Wisconsin days. And that was you literally line up three tight ends and you run the ball, Jonathan Taylor. There was no threat of the Wisconsin quarterback at any point in JT's career being a threat. I can't pretend I, I've watched high school tape or know the high school roster of Jonathan Taylor or the Pop Warner roster of Jonathan Taylor. But I can feel pretty good, George, is saying for the first time in JT's bare minimum high school career, he actually has a threat at quarterback defense to have to account for and have to be worried about. So, again, like this is – we talk about it. I don't think you're off whatsoever in a top 10 offensive projection for this team at the end of the year because these two running back and quarterback are having something in each other they've never had really in their careers. When he's going back to high school, that is huge – huge for both of their developments and both of hopefully their explosive plays now going forward. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch George. And again, you, you hope that injuries obviously don't, you know, limit what we're talking about, but outside of injuries, I don't see 
on the surface right now, anything else slowing them down. And that is exciting. Exciting. Come on. You mentioned tight end. We haven't even talked about Jelani Woods. He's theoretically going to be back at some point as well. I mean, he's not off IR this week. Uh, so the hamstring's still lingering. But, you know, that's that's a guy they expect to return at some point as well. And another weapon that, that, that can have. He's not at the level of Jonathan Taylor. Uh, but it's another thing defenses are going to have to account for. So, yeah, I think it's this is as optimistic as, as anyone should have been about this offense since 2018, since since Andrew Luck was here. Uh, you know, they, there's just a lot they can do here. Now they've got to go out on the field and do it. I mean, that's right. Chris Ballard's line all the time. Right. You know, they feel good about how things look on paper, but they've they got to go out and get it done. And we'll see how that plays out over the next few weeks. But just looking at how things stack up on paper, this offense has tremendous potential uh, for the rest of this season. That they do. I'm glad you brought up Jelani Woods, kind of a good capper here on this pod, just to wrap up quickly. Um, the big news from Shane Seconds press conference on Monday was the return of Jonathan Taylor to practice, um, at least in the potential of him playing on Sunday against the Titans. But also, too, the other big tone from Monday, George, was the injuries. Like you mentioned, Jelani Woods, ha- just like Jonathan Taylor, had a chance to come off and start practicing. He's not. His, his hamstring is still bothering him. He's not coming off IR. Hopefully sooner rather than later, but does not seem like that is a week or two um, away from Johnny Woods seeing the field anytime soon. So frustrating there, but hopefully, like you said, sooner rather than later he's back. But right now, at least, uh, Jelani Woods staying on IR. You have Quiddy Pay, who came down with concussion-like symptoms after the game and right now is in the concussion protocol. His status for Sunday is in question. Obviously, it would be a loss for the Colts' uh, defensive line if Quiddy's unable to go. Dallas Flowers, worst-case scenario, unfortunately for him, did care uh, tear his Achilles on Sunday. So now he's out for the year and you look, George, I mean, this, we talked about the inexperience right now of this Colts secondary, especially on the outside, the outside corner position specifically, you look at the projected starters, Isaiah Rogers, right? Cut because of a gambling suspension. Now is no longer on the team. You have now, unfortunately Dallas flowers, right? Being out for the year uh, with the Achilles injury. You have Dow Baker jr. Healthy scratch last two games, now expected to be back in the mix. And then you have, on the outside at least, two rookies, one a seventh rounder in Jalen Jones, one a second rounder in Juju Brents. And the second rounder, Juju Brents, has missed 90% of basically practice so far in his short NFL career. He's been healthy and on the field the last two games, but OTAs, mini camp, training camp, first week of practice, like he's missed a lot of time. Boy, oh boy, you talk about injury depleted and being thin outside corners, right? We'll, we'll keep Kenny Moore because he's more of a slot guy outside corner position, especially George. I got, I don't know if you have anything left in your legs. If you can uh, step in and maybe be uh, a reserve on Sunday, but Holy smokes, they are thin, thin at corner. No nah, corner is not the position for me. You don't want me out there for sure. Uh, but the only other guy, even on the you roster can't lock script- down D hop. I cannot lock down the, uh, I can confirm that 100%. Uh, and I'm not even going to try to tackle Derrick Henry. So don't even, that's a business. That I would agree with you. I'd run off the field. Yeah, absolutely. Not even going <laughs> to, not even going to attempt that one. Uh, the only other corner even on the roster is Chris Lamont's on the practice squad and he's coming off three game suspension. So, um, you know, we'll see. I mean, even later today as we're recording this Tuesday morning, uh, there may be a cornerback addition I and mean, you would think so. Uh, because the numbers are just not there. I mean, you've only got 
four healthy corners on the roster and, and one on the practice squad. So uh, if anybody else goes down, you'd really be in trouble. Uh, also, you know, we're going to have to keep an eye on that concussion protocol right now has been a big, big issue in these first few weeks. Ryan Kelly, you know, still coming back, uh, which, by the way, congratulations to him and, and his wife, uh, the birth of their their twins. Uh, they're going home, the twin boys. That's a family that has been through it. You know, you know, personally, my wife and I have, have had, uh, you know, our struggles before we were able to adopt. And, and so um, way beyond football, so happy for Ryan Kelly and, and his family and uh, bringing home those twin boys. Uh, but, you know, Ryan, we'll see what his status is for the game on Sunday. Uh, and then obviously Bernard Ryman, you know, the left tackle who uh, really just went in the protocol on Friday. So he's still in that first week as well. And as we've seen, most of these guys, you had the stat when, when Richardson first went in, that more often than not, something like 80% of the guys that go into the protocol miss at least one week. Well, technically Ryman missed one game, but he hasn't missed a week yet. Like True. statistically, you would think he wouldn't be back either. So we'll see how that goes. I mean, all of this depends. We've talked about it before. It's a brain injury. It's different between every person, but you still have two guys on the offensive line going through this. You still have one guy on the defensive line going through this. Uh, the cornerback situation, it's its not health right now, probably the low point that it's been so far this season. And part of the reason that practice is canceled on Wednesday, like an actual practice and now it's just a walkthrough, is, like you just mentioned, right now the, the health is just – Nowhere near where you want it to be. The, the buy is not till after the Germany game. That's middle of November. So we're still like almost six weeks away from the bye week. So it's not like help in terms of rest is on the way anytime soon. So like I said, you got to be creative now with Shane Sykin. Again, trying to limit practice and just trying to limit the exposure um, that guys are going to have to contact. The good news, George, if you want to look at this from a glass half full perspective, injury wise is look at Quiddy Pay. Like I said, Everyone is different in terms of concussion protocol symptoms. Um, it is a brain injury. If we just go ahead and let's just assume Quiddy Pay is not going to play, and obviously, right, corner depth with, with Dallas Flowers, we know he's not playing the rest of the year. The good news is in terms of defensively, with defensive line depth, uh, especially on the edge being a question if, if Quiddy's unable to go and being so thin a corner, the only good news is those are two primary positions in pass defense. Not going to need a lot of pass defense, George, on Sunday when the Titans roll to town and Derrick Henry's coming off a game in which he looked like the vintage Derrick Henry against the um, against the Bengals. Outside of Derrick Henry throwing a goal line pass, I don't think you have to worry too much about the defensive secondary uh, and the passing defense getting tested a lot. So at least you have Samson Ebukam, who is a really good defender on the run. Again, outside just tackling Derrick Henry, the secondary shouldn't be tested that much as well. So at least... In terms of where the Colts are injured on the defensive end, at least you're not going against the Chiefs or the Bengals or a team that's going to air the ball out 45 times to test you that way. At least it is more of going to be a, a ground and pound game. So load up the linebackers. That's a that's a position that, again, for the most part, has been pretty healthy this season. At least, you know, you hope DeForest Buckner and Grover Stewart are healthier this week than they were last week. At least the positions that are right now banged up are not going to be ones relied upon heavily against a primarily rushing attack in Tennessee. Yeah, you would expect this is going to be an old-school kind of a game, as it always is with Mike Vrabel. I mean, the Titans have won five in a row against this team, uh, in large part because they have won the battle physically. 
They've come in and they've just bullied the Colts the last uh, two and a half years. Uh, it's probably the biggest frustration the owner has. And this is the week to watch his Twitter account because he has not been happy with the way the results have gone against Tennessee uh, the last few years. Uh, and a lot of that has to do with the fact that they have just come out there and punched the Colts in the mouth repeatedly uh, and won these games, you know, in bruising physical fashion. Uh, obviously, Derrick Henry's been a huge part of that. Ryan Tannehill tends to play well against this team, too, though. I mean, I don't know why. Uh, I think some of his best performances have been against Indianapolis. I know there's a lot of questions about him down there in Nashville and nationally, but don't be surprised if he has one of his better games this season on Sunday. Let me, I am sick, by the way. I am sick of losing to the Titans. I know Jim Mercer is sick of losing to the Titans. Let me tell you, we'll get into it more on Thursday in our preview pod, George, but I am ready for a win. I am. We said wins and losses don't matter this season. For the, for the most part, that's correct. Sunday, George is different. Five-game losing streak. You pointed out before they've not won at home since 2018 against the Titans and Blaine Gabbert's quarterback. Ryan Tannehill has success against the Colts because Derrick Henry's running for 150 yards a game. George, tackle the guy. Go low. Go for his legs. Do not try to tackle him high. He's going to shove you off and make you look silly. I don't know why no one does it. You know how to tackle Derrick Henry. Go for his ankles. Go for his shins. Go for his calf. Go low. You said it before, and I agree. I don't want to tackle Derrick Henry. I don't disagree. But I am so frustrated. I hate the Titans so much, George. For one play, I am not afraid to suit up, and I'm not afraid on the third and one to meet Derrick Henry in the hole. Let's go. It's only Tuesday morning. I am ready for Sunday. I am sick of the Titans. I am sick of Mike Vrabel. I am sick of their stupid offense and the way they they throw back to the 1980s, three yards on a cloud of dust. I am sick of it. The streak ends on Sunday, George. The streak ends on Sunday. It's time to man up, and it's time to punch him in the mouth. They've been getting bullied too much. Too much. That and Sunday. God, I cannot wait for Sunday to be here. I cannot wait, George. I think it'll be interesting to see, too, because Shane's not been a part of this. So, like, you know, will he be indoctrinated? I imagine the owner's going to indoctrinate him in this pretty quickly. He'll know all the stats. He'll know the history before he gets out there. Uh, I'm sure Jim Irsay will will be sharing a lot of that with him this week. But, you know, Steichen and Richardson have not been a part of this. So it'll be interesting to see. Is that a, is that a positive or is it a negative? Because they don't have the baggage of the last five games. They've, they've not been here and, and seen, you know, the way things have turned out. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. And obviously – uh, we talked about the concussion protocol, but, you know, Grover Stewart was was injured Friday, uh, played 50 percent of the snaps, I believe it was uh, on on Sunday um, and then really low number in the 40s, I think, for uh, DeForest Buckner, who obviously didn't practice all week, had the groin injury, the back injury. You always feel like he's going to play. He always shows up. He's always out there. Um, but very important that those two guys are healthy and ready to go on Sunday because uh, they're always the heart of this defense, but against Tennessee, they are absolutely uh, two most important pieces. That they are. That they are. If, if DeForest Buckner needs my groin, I'll give it to him. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes to get on the field, be healthy Sunday, and slow down Derrick Henry. Again, this is this is a long time coming. This team at least has been competitive. They've backed down to no one so far. So hopefully they won't get bullied and won't get pushed around like we've seen the last five times these two teams have met. The streak ends. The streak ends on Sunday, George. I don't care about the winless week one streak. I don't care about the winless in Jacksonville streak. 
The streak that bothers you the most is five. The number of consecutive losses to Tennessee with a, with a poorly talented roster. Okay. I'm going to save it for, I'm going to save it for Thursday, George. I'm going to save it for Thursday. Um, let's just say it's Tuesday. I'm ready. I am ready. I think um, people already should know that, that they need to to tune into Thursday's pod. I think they can see that already. Yes. Let's go. We're gonna we're gonna bottle it up, save it for Thursday, and get you fired up. Get Lucas Oil Stadium jumping for what should be the return of Jonathan Taylor. Perfectly timed as the hated Tennessee Titans come to town. Time to serve him a can of whoop ass, George. I cannot wait for Thursday. So we're fired up. If you have not subscribed, I don't know what you're waiting for. Now is the time. Blue Horseshoe Pod on YouTube. Wherever you get your podcast, Blue Horseshoe Pod, bright blue logo. That is where you can find our brand new feed, brand new uh, episodes uploaded twice a week on the podcast feed. We do pod- uh, we do do shows three times a week live on Sunday after the game. Let me tell you, George, Sunday is going to be either the, the best part of the season or the worst part of the season. If they, if Jonathan Taylor returns, looks good, Colts win the, be the Titans, I don't know. We could be popping champagne, honestly. If they lose, if they lose, could be a rough one. So subscribe, especially on YouTube right now. That is the spot where the live post-game show will be on Sunday after the Colts-Titans uh, soiree in week number five. George, have a great week. You listening, have a great week. We'll talk to you on Thursday on the Blue Horseshoe Pod.